welcome to Bwahaha Cast. I am Chris Kirby. With me is David the Lumberjack Simonton. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing great, David. Uh, we are here for episode number, hang on to your socks, kids, number 16. This is number 16. So, David, before we get started, uh, why don't you fill us in? What have you been reading? Well, you know, after our last podcast, uh, talking about uh, 80s, you know, licenses, comic books and stuff, I picked up uh, something I've never been interested in before until that podcast was the uh, Masters of the Universe omnibus that reprinted the mini, M-I-N-I, the mini comics that showed up uh, with the action figures in the 80s. It was written, directed at kids, so, you know, the writing was terrible and the art, for the most part, was awful, but they were just a lot of fun to read. You know, pretty much every story was just the same, just introducing new characters to advertise the action figures. Um, the interesting thing was Alfredo Alcala actually drew the first few issues. Some art was okay then. Uh, Stephen Grant actually wrote some issues in, uh, here and there. Uh, you know, he wrote Whisper and wrote for Marvel and things like that. Uh, and... Another interesting thing, Bruce Tim actually got his start on these Masters of the Universe mini-comics. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. His art was not that great then. It was sort of better than the other unknown artists that drew it that were just god-awful. I mean, you and I could draw it, literally, you know. Um, I don't think so. I could. You could ink it. How's that? (laughs) So... Uh, you know, the art was terrible, but, uh, you know, you had Alfredo Collin and Bruce Tim, so they that was okay. But, uh, you know, it, they were just, they were awful, but it was a lot of fun. It was about 1,000 pages, well, 1,200 pages. It took me forever, even though it was easy reading to get through an individual issue, but there was just a lot of it. Well, I've been inspired by our last episode, too, and I read, well, I've started the original 1977 Marvel Star Wars series. Um, this weekend that we're recording this is actually the couple of days before May the 4th. So there's been a huge sale on Marvel uh, Star Wars, all Star Wars comics digitally, which is, David is a paper comics person completely, correct? Yes, yes. Yeah, and I am, am a digital comics person almost 100%. So uh, mm-hmm. that makes for, I mean, I think, think that, that makes for a nice uh, combination there so that we can oh, yeah. compare and contrast. But I, yeah. it, for me, it's just been easier to keep track of a library that's digital. Um, so anyway, they had, I was, <laughs> I was able to buy every issue of the Marvel Star Wars series for $9. So for nine dollars, I, I can do that. <laughs> I, see, if I would have had the entire digital series, I somehow could have transferred to you for a Game Boy in the nineties. I would have come out ahead. Absolutely. But, uh, so how have you? So you've started reading them already? Just barely, just barely. So I don't really. So the Howard Chicken issues. Yeah, the the very first. Yeah. I, I just started sort of remembering those those are the ones i remember the most and the the ones that followed that immediately i remember pretty much but i'm really interested to get to the simonson issues because oh yeah those are some of the very best they are they're extremely good art and his art style fit it really well um good that's uh that's gonna be a lot of reading for you but 
but some uh, good reading. It is. Um, so this episode is uh, not about that. That was last episode. So let's get into the subject matter for this episode. And while this isn't a complicated topic, it does require a little bit of explanation. And the explanation is this. So we're going to take the two top team books, Avengers uh, for Marvel, JLA for DC, and talk about what we think are the worst characters that the creators of uh, whoever's been working as a writer or an artist on Avengers or JLA has tried to insert into that team. Almost every writer who has come along, particularly in recent years, for whatever reason, it seems to be acceptable that they can just create a character that they insert in the team, and then somehow a, a large portion of the plot becomes, at least a, for at least a story arc, becomes about that character. So that's great if it's a wonderful character they've created. It's not so great if it's the ones that we're going to be talking about today. So I'm going to throw it to David first. Okay, and I will explain something right quick. I, I, I do have three different Avengers I want to talk about. I didn't realize it was just like the Avengers and Justice League, so I actually have some different teams to talk about. Oh, that's okay. But, uh, that's okay. Uh, yeah, so my apologies, but uh, I'm going to start off with one that may have made your list, too. Um, character in the late 90s. Uh, triathlon. Oh, he's on my from list. From the Avengers, yeah. Um, good, good. Well, so, this was when uh, Kurt Music and uh, George Perez had gotten back on the book after the hero's return. Uh, and it was, a, to me, it was a great run. It was classic. It brought back the classic feel of the Avengers, in my opinion. Uh, but they decided to create a uh, couple of characters in the same issue, the other one I'll get to in a, in a little while, uh, but in issue number eight, this is volume three of the Avengers, uh, Triathlon, his name was Delroy Garrett Jr. And he was, I think, working for this sort of uh, evil group that was out to get Avengers or whatever, and he wound up teaming up with Avengers and joining them and uh, first of all his name's Triathlon that you can't get worse than that he originally he eventually became the 3D man a, a new version of the 3D man which isn't much better but Triathlon dumb dumb name he had dumb powers it was just you know superhuman agility and reflexes and stuff like that and, and you know, let's face it 3D man is not a great name either no, he's not a great character, but I at least sort of liked him in the 70s and the few appearances he was in. Uh, triathlon, I don't know if you knew this, but uh, he had scroll vision. So he could see if somebody was a scroll? Is that the Yes. Okay. Yeah, that I think may have been introduced in the Secret Invasion storyline, um, you know, a few years later. Um, but whenever a character has, like, the goggles... Not like glasses, but you know the visor, type, the, the little right. the goggles, sort of like a booster gold type of thing. Right. So you know they're going to suck. It's it's there's. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Does that include Blue Beetle? Well, his were, I guess, a little different because they were sort of circular, bugged out. Maybe I don't know. I got you. I got you. But yeah, it's yeah. When, the just hair, like, when you got the hair exposed over, yeah, the, the hair exposed and the. Yeah, and the goggles that just look like a bad 80s 
thing. You know, I, I don't know how to describe it, but they're never any good. And he had, tri- as I recall, uh, triathlon was African American, and yes. he had a flat top. Yeah, that it was ten years out of date for the haircut. <laughs> Um, and and I, I guess we can blame George Perez, but George Perez is one of the all-time greats, so I hate to do that, but it is what it is. Um, he's just bad, and I don't know if you remember this, um, but he was very whiny. Yes. He would blame, and I don't, this is, I got to be careful how I phrase this, because uh, he would complain about the un- other Avengers treating him bad because of who he was and even his color, which they weren't doing, but, and I'm not going to blame the creative team for this. I just think it, maybe it wasn't, they didn't convey him the way they were intending to, but he just wound up being whiny. And I, I between that and his name triathlon and his terrible powers, I, I just, I couldn't get into him at all. What, what, what's your opinions on this guy? I just, well, yeah, he is on my list. Um, in fact, he was the, inspiration for this topic i mean when i really started thinking about it i'm like there's one in dc that i will there's a there's a marvel that's at the top of my list and there's a dc that's at the top of my list but triathlon here's what i think i think that there was an effort and i think it was honest i like kurt you say is it you say it i think it's music music i think i read that Uh, um, years ago yeah I, I think that there was – I have nothing against um, – in fact, I really – I've always really liked him. I, I think what he has done with Astro City has been really great, phenomenal work. Um, I never really could – I just could not get a hook on Bad Avengers. I, I get that it's a sort of return to something great for them, but it just didn't do it for me. And – I think he and Perez had an had an earnest attempt to, to diversify the, the characters, um, but this was not it, and they really did not have a hook on creating a black character. Uh, and it shows it just it it really to, by to, particularly by today's standards, if you read it, it reads like he. he he doesn't speak in slang or anything, but it's always like that's his only issue is everything is about race. and Everything is about, I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's really heavy handed. And on top of that, the character isn't great and the powers aren't great. And there's just, there's just nothing there to really go, wow, I really like that character. There's, there is, I, I don't think there's anything about the character that's likable. No. And to, and to name him after a, an Olympic type of race. I mean, who's a sidekick? Pole vault? You know, it's like there's, you've got to come up with something better than that. See, I, I, and here I don't want to get too deep into politics, but on top of everything else, it's like, so the only thing a black man, the only power he can have is a power that is athletic. Right. And that just, that rubs me the wrong way too. It was without the, they tried to do something right, but it sounds slightly stereotypical the way they, with his powers, his name, his, the way he acted. Right. They were trying to do the right thing. It just sort of was not the right thing. It feels very, very forced. And so yeah. I don't know. I've never read anything about this. I've never read anything about the creation of the character. But you, 
do sort of wonder if there wasn't some editorial pressure to to do this. And so, you know, I mean, I, I don't think anyone deliberately creates a superhero, a villain maybe, but a superhero that is unlikable. I don't think that's ever the goal. No. No. So, so yes, uh, triathlon would be at the top of my list, and apparently it's at the top of yours. Yes. So yes. Anything else to say about triathlon before we move on? There is nothing else to say about that character. <laughs> so, with that in mind, I'm going to stick to the Avengers. <clears throat> and the same era, the same creators, and throw out the name of... Silver Claw. Uh, that was my next one. So, Silver Claw, again created by Busick and Perez. Uh, you know, Perez does have Hispanic heritage, so, you know, okay, so they create this Hispanic character who is a um, female who can turn into what would you call her exactly? Uh, she can. She can transform into like rare forms. Yes. Um, specifically, South American fauna. <laughs> she also appeared in the same issue that Triathlon first appeared in. I mean, it was issue number eight. They both showed up at the same time. So this was the big diversity issue. It was. Um, the, the, the character, again, is uh, not particularly well drawn. It's... It, there's some attempt to tie it to um, Hispanic culture and Hispanic myth, uh, which I think is a pretty clever idea that has never really been all that well explored. We'll talk about that with another character in just a minute. Um, but it just didn't work within the confines of the Avengers. I think one of the reasons is they already have some characters like that that are yeah. radically different. I mean, Tigra is not radically different from this. Um, True. Uh, while Hellcat is not exactly the same, but there's still a similar... So, in other words, female characters, so here we go again with some stereotypes, you know, apparently can only be some form of cat. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, what are your thoughts on Silver Claw? <laughs> well, first of all, her real name's hard. It's just, it's just long to say. Maria de Guadalupe Santiago from Costa Verde or whatever. Um, she wound up being Jarvis's ward, if you right. remember that. I do remember that. Um, here's something I've noticed. Whenever a, uh, a character from a different country is created it's usually based around that country's culture a lot of times religious beliefs things like that but like in america and england you don't see superheroes dressed up as moses going around fighting people that i am the mighty guy. abraham yeah you know <laughs> i am judas so you know it's it's also weird a type of weird stereotype if you bring in a non uh, European type character, there's always got to be a little too much culture and religion thrown in there to where it's sort of stereotypes. That's sort of all they're about. And again, I, I, I don't think music and Perez were trying to, you know, stereotype anything. I think they're just trying to 
create something maybe from Perez's culture or something. But uh, yeah, she was she was in her, her costume didn't seem like she could move around good in it. I don't know how to explain it. You know, it's like if you're going to be fighting crime, and I know she could change into different animals, so maybe she didn't even worry about the costume in her human form, but just none of it seemed comfortable. <laughs> and that's really what we want in, in apparently in the history of female characters in comic books. It's comfort is uh, something that you really want to see. A tiger's comfortable. All she wears is a you know like a thong and a you know and a bikini top. I don't and know about you, that does not sound comfortable to me. <laughs> <laughs> good point. Very good point. Yes. Um, so yeah, that's that's really all I got to say about her. I mean, they both showed up in the same issue, and they both went nowhere. Absolutely. Uh, and again. Let's so since we've both been in the same era, the same team. I'm, let's see where you where you're going next with this. All right, uh, this is my final Avengers one. Um, it was in an earlier era in the in the early nineties. Uh, one of the most ridiculous characters, uh, Death Cry. Ooh, she was created by uh, Bob Harris. Um. And whoever, I think Steve Epting. So, yeah. It was in that really, 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 really bad era. Well, if it was in the 90s, it was always going to be in a really bad era. Um, but, you know, everybody was wearing the bomber jackets and the, uh, you know, ponytails. Because, you know, people with ponytails are idiots. Um, so, I have a ponytail for people to know. So, but yeah, I mean, it was his, just a, but he just ties it onto the back of his hair. True. I mean, it's it's of a, you know, 19-year-old, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. Um, goat. <laughs> a 19-year-old Yiddish goat. Um, That's so. the name of my new band. <laughs> Yiddish goat. Um, so she first appeared in uh, Avengers number 363 in this, <laughs> in this really horrible, if y'all can see Chris's facial expressions right now, uh, really horrible era of the Avengers. Um, she was a member of the Shi'ar uh, Empire. Um, she just had, she has super strength, retractable claws, because everybody in the 90s had retractable claws. Uh, <laughs> she had cosmic awareness, whatever that means. Um, it's a funny power. Yes. But, you know, you're, you're gonna, yes. Yeah, I know the stars are out there. So you're a hero named Death Cry. Death and Cry are not heroic at all. You know, everything in the 90s was death something or blood something. That's or, true. Yeah, uh, just very extreme and violent. And, you know, this was the dumbest name for a hero. Right. Maybe as a villain, fine. Hero. Um, they sort of got it from Deathbird, who was also, you know, from the Shi'ar. But um, the good thing about this character is in a miniseries, Annihilation Conquest, some villain named Vargas um, killed her and reduced her to a pile of bones and organs. <laughs> Pipe organs? Uh, yes, yes. Um, so, you know, I, I don't think she's been brought back, and that's that's just good. Um, that's but you're not familiar with her? No. You just don't 
don't read those issues if, if, if you know, they're, they're bad. I mean, basically, um, if there is a character with the name of death or blood in them, I'm not particularly or, interested. No, no. Um, and one quick thing before we uh, go to the next character, because I really have nothing to say about this. But I, I, you know, those issues, I don't remember. I have them. I've read them. I don't remember much because they were so bad. Um, but right back to George Perez, very quick story. He was at a Dragon Con years ago. Well, plenty of times, I think. But uh, we were both eating in the same diner together, uh, connected to the one of the host hotels one morning. And he was sitting, this has nothing to do with him really, but he was sitting like two tables behind me. And uh, so it was packed in there. You can barely walk. And this this guy was standing against my table with his butt in my face in the aisle, okay? Well, that's not what you want to see while you're trying to eat your breakfast. So he wouldn't move. And I could have asked him, you know, George Perez, I think he was probably trying to get to George Perez is the uh, thing. Okay. Um, I could have politely asked him to move, but I'm like, well, he's the extremely inconsiderate jerk who has his butt in my face while I'm trying to eat. And so my cup, my giant glass of water was on the edge of the table. And, uh, I just drew my hand back and popped the glass of water at him without him seeing it and drenched the back of his pants completely. So he immediately is like, what the heck, man? And I'm like, dude, you just knocked over my glass, you know, and he stormed off, but his pants were soaked and, you know, it really had nothing to do with George Perez other than he was sitting behind me. But, uh, <laughs> carry on, carry on. What's your next? All right. My next, we'll stick with the Avengers. This is, I, I actually, this is my last Avenger that I'm going to mention, uh, except for I do have a runner-up. And, you know, this character I don't think was, I mean, I'm, I'm probably cheating a little bit on this one because I think he was created outside of the Avengers and then inserted into the Avengers. So, you know, detract some points for that for me, but it's Thunderstrike. <laughs> yeah. So Thunderstrike is another one of those creations at the 90s uh, where they basically replaced Thor with another character uh, named Eric Masterson. And he was, he essentially became Thor, but they. I can't remember if he changed his name to Thunderstrike or, or, or what, but he was, he was extreme. He had the ponytail, which, okay, Thor has sometimes had that, but he had the ponytail and a, a vest because <laughs> Thor needs a good you know, blue jean vest. Did he have uh, a cummerbund with it? <laughs> he might have. Sorry. I don't really remember that much, to be honest, but there was a time that they decided to insert Thunderstrike probably trying to boost sales uh, into the Avenger, which has always been the problem with team books is that either they're trying to create a character that they can then spin off into their own series or something like that. And so it, it becomes kind of a, I think a, a real problem 
that that they use these books to drive sales to other things, and that doesn't always work. So Thunderstrike, I really don't have much to say about him. If you if you're if you want to see something really funny, though, look up Thunderstrike online and look at some of the really ridiculous costumes that they created for for him. And I think Ron Friends did that, and I like Ron Friends as a penster. But I yeah. he, he was in that you know they you had to create what the market was calling for in the nineties, and it was. Extreme wasn't a, a Thunderstrike, didn't he? Join the Thor Corps. Oh, wow, remember that? Yeah, I mean, you think I, you know, yeah, you know, people think me and Chris are making this up. Thor Corps that was a real mini series. So, what I think he was in there, maybe, maybe with Beta Ray Bill, and I don't know, I don't know, Eric Masterson, <laughs> awful. He probably wore a bomber jacket, too. There was always, I mean, basically all of this was inspired, unfortunately, by some of the designs that Eric, not Eric Larson, um, that Rob Liefeld had done. And so, you know, there's lots of leather jackets with torn off sleeves. And uh, it was, it was, it's like snarling. It's really awful. It's really awful. Yeah. Yeah. Thunderstrike. Are we we staying with the Avengers or are we moving on to... uh, Um, You can stay with the Avengers as long as you want. I have have a few more characters that are not in the Avengers or the Justice League. So if you want to do another Avengers one now, that's fine. Because there's very little to say about Thunderstrike and very little that I want to say about Thunderstrike. I'll move on really quickly for my runner-up for the Avengers is... And I... Never quite sure about how to pronounce this, and I hate that I'm saying this because it's by a creator I really, I really admire and really like. But this is X Nihilo or X Nihilo. I don't know how that's pronounced correctly, but this was from the Jonathan Hickman run on the Avengers. He created this whole like group of characters that were there to destroy the earth and rebuild it in a new image or it was, uh, it was so they had he had to add them to the avengers they had to become team members uh with the avengers and it was one of those things where i don't think anybody outside of hickman knew what to do with them so they've all just kind of disappeared is this the, is he the one that had the weird shaped head? Yes, he's gold, golden. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I love Jonathan Hickman as a writer. His Avengers were bad. I thought. Really? I thought. No, see, no, I don't agree with that. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. I, well, I have to reread. I didn't. I never knew what the heck was going on in there, and it may just be me. Maybe it was above my head or something. But I, I didn't like that ex Nilo or whatever. I thought he was. I don't. I don't think that they were weird and bad. I, I mean, it, it did require, and I, I do kind of have a problem with this. It required reading like multiple Avengers titles to really understand. Yeah, you had to read that. You had to read what he was doing with. Um, so there was like, I can't even remember how many different Avengers books there were at the time. But there was like a team that was mostly the Illuminati of like yeah. Reed Richards and. There was that group, and then there was also the Captain America group, and then so if you read all of those, it started to make sense, kind of what was happening, and it was all leading to Hickman's Secret Wars, which I think is really good, 
but it was like years and years of Avengers issues <clears throat> leading to this event. And so you can't just, like, that's the problem. It's like, well, I can't pick up an issue and enjoy it. Well, while we're, I mean, on the subject of bringing in characters by a writer, I mean, I, I don't remember the names, but there was another character or two that he just brought in when he started writing the book that I don't know who they were. I, I guess he created them, but I'm not sure. He never explained who they were. He never had a backstory for them. They were just on the team. And uh, I cannot remember. It was, but, uh, yeah, I, maybe I should go back and reread them. I don't know. But at the time when I was reading them, I was like, I don't, I have no idea what I'm reading. I, I don't know. I think it would, <clears throat> it would, number one, it would be a lot of reading. Um, but it would, you would really need them almost in an omnibus with, you know, put together the way it's supposed to be put together. And uh, yeah. uh, that's, that's unfortunately not. What's interesting to me is that Marvel is now publishing Hickman's X-Men in these, what are called Dawn of X collections that are like all the number ones for all the different X titles, all the number twos, all the mm. number threes. And they're doing it in those kind of volumes. That makes a certain amount of sense. Yeah. So, so you can read all of the issues that are involved in this world in, at one sitting. So, but I don't think I don't know if there's anything like that for for his Avengers. That's, I don't know. I don't know. I have to check. All right. So I'm done with the Avengers. You're done with the Avengers. Where are we going? All right. Uh, again, mine are uh, not the GLA, but I'm just gonna. They're four. I got at least four more. They're sort of all over the place. The next one is from the Defenders. Oh. Uh, Character called the Gargoyle. Oh, wow. Yeah. Now, he was created by our one of our favorites, J.M. DeMatteis, that we talk about a lot. Uh, Don Perlin drew it. Um, character, I, as much as I sort of liked his run on here, didn't get into this character. He was this old dude named Isaac Christians who became a Gargoyle. He, he was, and when he was the Gargoyle, he changed into this form. Um, he got the form from the six-fingered hand, which were these demons, um, and somehow he got stuck with the form. But, you know, he looked out of shape. I mean, he had, like, a pudgy stomach. He was this old guy. He didn't act like a hero. He was just sort of like a, almost like a perfect gentleman type of thing. Um, never could get into him, but he's actually appearing in Iron Man now, and he's actually in shape and acts a lot cooler, so... Who knows? Okay. Yeah. Um, did you did you ever read anything uh, with him in it? Any of those issues? I just, Defenders? I, re- I, no, I don't think I read any <laughs> Defenders, but I, I definitely remember probably in the 80s there was a Gargoyle miniseries. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I think Charles Vest did the covers or something. That's right. Which that's, is what, odd. that's what I remember because the covers were painted and they looked really good. And then you open it up inside, and it's like Mark Badger or something. I don't know. Um, and he was a veteran of World War One. That that's how old he he was. But you know, at the, if if there's one thing good I can say about this character is, why do superheroes have to be these really buff, young, good looking, in shape people? I mean, don't you think some old people would get powers from time to time or out of shape? I mean, you know what I mean? It was it was in a weird sort of way, sort of a realistic thing. Like, well, anybody, you know, can get powers. It's not always going to be, a, you know, Tony Stark or Bruce Wayne or whatever. But 
well, Bruce Wayne doesn't have powers. Well, Tony Stark doesn't have powers. Never mind. Never mind. That's horrible examples there. But uh, you know what I mean. You know what I mean, Matt. Well, it is true. You know, Tony Stark doesn't have to be in shape. That's true. Why does he have to be in shape? Why does he have to be have like you know a physique? If he looked like Elon Musk, that would be very funny. <laughs> but you know, he doesn't even have to be in his his uh, armor because he's controlled it, controlled his armor while sitting in his office or something before. So I don't even know why he puts himself at risk. But that's a whole that's a whole other episode. Um, so we'll, we'll move on from the gargoyle. Uh, what, what do you have next? Well, okay, so. Well, so I'll throw it to you and say, do you want to go through some of yours from these other teams? And then I'll do all the uh, – close my, uh, my yeah. three are from the JLA. Um, uh, okay. So I don't know. So give me another one. Go ahead and give me another one. Uh, oh, wow. This one is from uh, – first appeared at Uncanny X-Men number 345 from 1997. Uh, he was created by Scott Lobdell, Ben Rabb, Joe Maderera, and Melvin Ruby. Uh, his name is Maggot. Have you ever heard of him? You can't really root for a character named Bag- Maggot. Maggot. No, you can't. better say that correctly. Maggot. <laughs> yes. He, he had, like, slugs that were his digestive system that would come out of his body, eat, eat things, go back into his body, and the energy from that would give him enhanced strength and stuff like that. It made no sense. He was originally... From what I was reading when I was researching this a little bit, he was originally meant to be Australian. Uh, I don't think it was necessarily said he was Australian, but Scott, Scott Lobdell wanted him to be Australian. And then Joe Kelly, my least favorite writer of all time, came in and made him South African. And it's like, what? So it's like the writers didn't even know what the other writer was doing. Um, you can't name a superhero maggot. You can't have slugs crawling out of his body and eating people and being a hero. <clears throat> By far the worst thing. <clears throat> Excuse me. Luckily he was he was killed. Um, just, but then he got just just uh, just thinking out loud here. I mean and <clears throat> and, and pardon me for uh, stealing the <clears throat> line from ancient Saturday Night Live, but you can't name a superhero painful rectal itch. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Well, if you can name one maggot. Um, the bad thing is the X-Men, and we'll have an X-Men episode at some point, I'm sure, but uh, the bad thing about it is that now in the X-Men, I mean, you can die and come back to life. It's no big deal. So you don't worry about the characters. So unfortunately, he is apparently you know alive again because uh, I think he was in one of the recent X-Books that I read within the past few weeks. So, hmm. But, you know, they sort of have to throw everybody in there because they're all living on the island of Krakoa together. So, you know, that's as long as he doesn't become a regular member, I'll be good with that. He, he was awful. He, he may be the worst character ever created, in my opinion. Well, <clears throat> unless you have something even worse. Well, I don't have a, I don't have a better name than maggot, but I do have my absolute top DC creator forced member of the Justice League, and that is Bloodwind. Bloodwind? Do you remember Bloodwind? 
<laughs> Again, blood in the title, not good. Exactly, and wind spelled with a Y, you know, because that makes it extreme. So uh, it's like you have popped blood vessels and gas at the same time. Well, that's what I was going to say. Is that you you don't want to name a character out of something that you never want to experience in the. So, what? Okay, what year was this in? Okay, this was 90s. This would have been... <laughs> well, yeah. Okay, so just to give you an idea, this is when when Demetrius and Giffen got off of the Justice League, <clears throat> it was very clear that DC was just lost. They had no idea what to do with the JLA. And so who do you hand things to when you don't know what else to do with them? At DC, you hand them to Dan Jurgens. And Dan created Bloodwind, and he added that character to, uh, I don't even remember what the powers of the, the, so again, here's an an effort to create sort of faux diversity, so Bloodwind was African American, Mm -hmm. and they wanted to, it was the most manufactured mystery, like there was supposed to be some great mystery behind this character and oh if we you know keep reading to find out who this character is and who the, you know all of this stuff and i believe if i'm not mistaken i might have to double check myself on this but i believe the great mystery was that he was martian manhunter <laughs> why would he call himself bloodwind well maybe he had you know painful rectal itch <laughs> <laughs> I probably I probably have those issues I picked up at a convention a few years ago because I got tons of 90s Justice well, Leagues. Having had a colonoscopy within a, the last few years, I can say that, uh, you know, I don't really want anything to do with a blood red. <laughs> Thanks for sharing, Chris. You're welcome. Thanks for sharing. You're welcome. So, uh, Bloodwind is at the top of my list. It was the most manufactured, like, let's see if we can create an event about nothing uh, within the pages of a Justice League book that was uh, not well handled, that was following on the heels of one of the most famous runs ever. And, uh, yeah, Bloodwind is in the issue's that led up to and followed the death of Superman. So it was all in that era of uh, big events, you know, anything we can create that 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 has hype behind it. That was Bloodhead. And I didn't have a white costume. Yes. Yes, I know you're talking about. Yes, okay. All right, so you can put Bloodwind. Now, if you wanted to create a book that was Bloodwind versus Triathlon. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> I, I I wouldn't buy it. Yeah, you so has Bloodwind shown up since then? I don't remember. I don't, I don't believe so. I don't believe so. Jeez. Wow, what a hor- I mean, just a horrible name. First of all, hi, I'm Bloodwind. What what is what what does that even mean? Now that I think about it, who has ever seen Bloodwind? <laughs> On that note. Um, my, well, did you have any more to say about Bloodwind? Do you really want any more to be said about um, Bloodwind? 
I wouldn't even know where to begin. So this is what I've just discovered. So this is what Bloodwind. I think I was so disinterested. I did not. Uh, so Bloodwind is the descendant of a group of African American slaves owned by a brutal, sadistic planter. These slaves performed an ancient ritual to create a mystical blood gem. Uh, and that was passed down among the slave descendants, and apparently some character named Rot sucked Bloodwind into the gym and mind-controlled Martian Manhunter, making him wear the gym and become Bloodwind. That doesn't make any sense. And very forced diversity there, it sounds like. Yes, again, it's like, well, that's that's connecting to slavery. I mean, like, but he's not even a real person. You've taken this person and, like, put him inside a crystal. I mean, it's just, oh, like, a, like a crystal hamburger? <laughs> well, that is blood wind. What are you talking okay, about? Because his female companion could be the crystal chick. That was dumb. That was Anybody that laughs at that, yeah, that's, that's embarrassing. <laughs> it's so <laughs> bad, I'm laughing. Okay, sometimes, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. I'll take that. So, so Bloodwind, uh, let's leave it at that. Bloodwind. Okay, good, good. Yes. My next one is a character I really like. Uh, from Doom Patrol, Volume 2, first appeared in number 19, from 1989, Crazy Jane. Oh, wow. Um, created by, of course, Grant Morrison, Richard Case. Uh, her name's Kay Chalice. She had 64 different personalities. So the good thing about her is her craziness would bring out a different personality based on the situation. Uh, some of those personalities were had different names. Black, I gotta, I gotta say this right, Black... Annis, K5, Baby Doll, Scarlet Harlot, Hangman's Beautiful Daughter, which is a cool name, Lucy Fugue, Pepper's Ghost. I don't know what Pepper's Ghost is. Um, but, uh, you know, yeah, yeah. Ghost Peppers, yeah. Oh, hey, there you go. That's what it means. Um, but yeah, they, they came on the book for it. this comic book that was failing and, uh, just breathed new life into it. Uh, just turned it into this bizarre, great thing. Um, and, of course, the TV show that's going on now has, is based on that run and has Crazy Jane, who is also a fantastic character on the show, I think. Um, very, you know, they did her right. They did everybody right on that show. Um, what do you got to say about her? I know you've read these issues. Oh, okay. <clears throat> so, so this is not what you would – this is just one of – what do you think one of the best – Editions that was brought to a, to a book. Yeah, I threw in a couple of characters I liked just to change it up. I got that. That's, that's good. I like that. Um, yeah. My only issue with Crazy Jane, and it can be said of a lot of different characters, is that she, because she can manifest new personalities and new powers, basically she can solve any problem. Sort of a Doctor Strange thing. Yeah, it's like suddenly she can, you know, so, oh, we didn't know she could do this. So, you know, they get into a situation that seems like there's no way out. And yeah. she can all of a sudden have, manifest a new personality and power. Um, that's my only concern about any kind of character like that. Right. You know, but 
in Morrison's hands has been, you know, was handled really, really well. Yeah. Yeah. All right. What you got? All right. Well, since we're on Grant Morrison, I'm going to end with my other two that I have. Okay. And these are still, these are, these are still in my mind, poor character. It doesn't matter. We, I I like how this has gone in a lot of different new directions. Mm -hmm. So that's great. Both of these are Grant Morrison creations. Both of these were fitted into the, uh, JLA that he did. Um, and neither of them are horrible, but they just, they, they seem a little forced. And one is Aztec. Uh, and the yeah. other one is Zariel. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Aztec was again another attempt at some sort of diversity. It's a, a, again we talked earlier about uh, Silverclaw, but this is a, this is Aztec was obviously based on the Aztec myths, and it was a character that Morrison had created in a fairly obscure miniseries, as I recall. It was not a you know, big deal when it came out, and then all of a sudden the character is showing up in JLA. Yeah, yeah. So he's got a platform for his character, so he he puts him in there. Um, the other one is Zariel, who is actually supposed to be an actual angel from heaven uh, that Morrison used as sort of a superhero character. And I think that there was a small arc about uh, about that character and the war in heaven and that sort of thing. So um, both of them. You know, okay characters, maybe, you know, but they haven't had any particular life outside of Grant Morrison. Go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. ahead. I mean, I just, I I think that that's, to me, the telltale sign of a a character that doesn't have any legs is even, you know, the only way that you're able to to get any kind of attention for them is to put them in a really high line book like that. But outside of that book, there was a Zario miniseries. I remember that. It wasn't very good. It wasn't very memorable. The character has has just sort of gone into obscurity, same as Aztec. Yeah, and Aztec, again, is what we were talking about earlier is, okay, let's take this non-European character and let's base them around that culture's beliefs or mythology or whatever. Again, it's like, why? You know, why do you have to do that? You know, why not... They're as normal as you and I or anybody else in the world. You know, it's, it's sort of like, okay, I understand bringing the culture into it. That's great. That's great. But, you know, it just it's funny how it's always – it has to be based on their beliefs, you well, know, yeah, which is it's, sort it's, of odd. It's interesting because, <clears throat> like, um, you know, if you look at Superman, the Superman story is the Moses story. And so there's a lot of – and there's a lot of sort of Hebrew <laughs> belief in, in there – a lot of Jewish belief in there, but they don't, they don't come right out and say, this is based on this. Right. You know, it's like, you can infer that if you've kind of read the book and you've seen the, the arc of the character and that kind of thing. But there's, it's something a little more to me, it's a little more sophisticated than just simply saying, we're going to take these myths and here's the character who's going to embody these myths right here. Right. And they make it right. very yeah. plain and, and it's not very artful. I agree. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I wasn't reading those books at the time when they came out. I think uh, years ago you recommended them to me, and I went back and got the trade paperbacks of the JLA run. Yeah. Um, and I really liked the run, you know. Um, didn't Howard Porter draw them, I think? Yeah, it was it's very Kirby-esque art. Yeah. Know? And I, I, I really liked that run. That's one of my – Yeah. That's what really – I had kind of fallen away from comics for a little bit, and that really pulled me back in. Yeah. Cool. 
And All anyone right. who can make the blue Superman cool, it's, I mean, you know. Yeah. And he did it. I remember that was actually on the, like, the 6 o'clock news or something that night when, when you know, Superman got the blue costume. And I'm like, why is this making news? <laughs> That's all I can say about that. So... Well, I have one more, unless right. you had no. more to say about... Okay. No. No. Um, this is another very likable character, um, Kitty Pride. Oh. Uh, Claremont had... I mean, Claremont had been on the X-Men for a while. He took Lynn Wien's place. Um, but uh, Byrne had gotten on the book, and uh, they created Kitty Pride, who was, at least then, in my opinion, the female equivalent of a Peter Parker. You know, she was the type of character that I think anybody could relate to. She was the girl next door. She wasn't hot. She wasn't sexy. She was just a girl that you couldn't help but like because she was normal, other than her superpowers, of course, you know, um, to phase through things. Uh, she joined the team when she was like age 13, and I did always think it was a little odd that her and Colossus had a thing going because she was <laughs> she was 13. But, uh, but you know, it was a that was what thirty years ago. Uh, you know, it was a different time. I think still wrong back then, obviously. But <laughs> you didn't think about things as much then, you know. Um, but it still, she. I thought she was a great character. She was just very likable. She wasn't. You know, she didn't have the you know, giant boobs and the low cut. You yes. know, Power Girl costumes. She was just the type of girl you could power around with, and uh, very likable. Well designed. Uh, the characters had great staying power, uh, yeah. which I think is the difference between some of the characters we're talking about and this one. In, in the ones that you've mentioned that have been really strong, Crazy Jane has staying power. Yes. Um, Kitty Pride has a lot of staying power. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. I, I'd even forgotten that that was sort of an insert into the X Men. And I remember the episode. Mm-hmm. The, we had an episode where we talked about that issue as a holiday issue that she mm-hmm. has this pretty much a standalone story with Kitty Pride. Yeah, if she didn't stand out before, that's what did it, you know. Right. Uh, I think the, the comic book world was like, this character's great. And as I recall, <clears throat> she was a big part of Days of Future Past. Is that an older version of her, yeah. Right. Right. So um, that was a big big point as well. Yeah, um, and I think she first appeared in like a Hellfire Club storyline. I think that's one um, of the characters I've never understood. So we'll get into that with the X Men. <laughs> that, that has never made any sense to me. But anyway, I don't want to get too deep into that. But no, we'll, we'll have a whole X Men. Whenever episode, I start no reading the X Men, and they start talking about the Hellfire Club. I got no idea of what you're talking about. So uh, we, you want to know confusing is is in the '90s there was a horrible Machine Man series, and he fought one of the he fought a couple of members of the Hellfire Club as his main villains. And I'm like, what is why? This is Machine Man. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure Marvel thought, okay, let's tie him in with the X-Men, because it was a spinoff from, like, an X-Men annual or something. So they're saying, oh, well, Machine Man will sell if it's looked at as some type of X-Men spinoff. Right. But, it, no, it was awful. It was awful. But we'll talk about that later. All right. Well, <clears throat> our list includes, I'll tell you my list, you tell me your list. So my list included Silverclaw, Thunderstrike, Triathlon, and x Neolo from the Avengers, Bloodwind, Aztec, and Zariel from the JLA. And your list included? 
Uh, triathlon, Silver Claw, Death Cry, Kitty Pride, Gargoyle, Maggot, and Crazy Jane. And you, um, know, and you know, go ahead. If you if you put <clears throat> wind on the name of some of these characters, it makes them much funnier. Like Thunder Wind. <laughs> Maggot Wind. <laughs> right. Uh, as, then, as Wind. <laughs> and B- Blood Wind will give you a death cry. <laughs> you know, and briefly, when, uh, there's a reason why I didn't mention these characters, and I'm sure it may be the same reason. Neither, neither is the uh, Gypsy and Vibe and those awful oh, characters yeah. from Justice yeah. League. But it was almost like the creative team got on there to bring in a new team. So that you know, it's sort of the equivalent of a giant size X Men number one. So that's why I didn't bring it up. It's well, it's not the equivalent of giant size X Men number one, but it's same. <laughs> You know, or or Teen Titans. I mean, I think they had grand hopes that they were doing something like that, and it was uh, wow. Our grand hope was that they would eventually kill him at the end, which they did. Which they did. Thank, Thank you, you, Mr. Demetrius. <laughs> Again, we love you. <laughs> Thank you. All right, so we're going to close out with uh, a little bit of a quiz contest. I don't think this one's going to be terribly hard, uh, but I but I think that uh, it would be interesting to hear. So a few few uh, few episodes back, we talked about miniseries. So I wanted to see, we're going to start question number one. It's only two questions. Question number one is, can you name three DC miniseries of three or more issues that were published before 1990? Uh, crisis? Well, I was going to say outside of Crisis, but okay. We'll give you uh, Millennium. Oh, well, yeah, well, are you leaving out like giant crossover events? Yes, I'm leaving out. Okay. Giant. So no Crisis, no Millennium. No, um, no, 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 no. I'm not leaving those out. I'm not leaving them. I was just going to say, let's not consider Crisis for DC and let's not consider Secret Wars for Marvel. But everything else is open. <clears throat> um, Legends. Yep. Millennium. Yep. Uh, three or more of uh, the shadow. That's right. It was Howard Chicken. That's very good. I was, I had been thinking about some of those um, because there were a lot, they were there were many in the eighties. Of course, Dark Knight, Dark Knight Returns was a was a miniseries. Yeah, yeah. Watchmen <clears throat> was a miniseries, which is hard to remember. Um, mm. Uh, Camelot 3000, one of my very favorites. Was, oh, was yes. one of the very first. So, so lots of good ones that happened between uh, 1980 and 1989. Lots of good ones. Lots of bad ones, and, too. True. Um, and before we ask the second question, i got to point out for anyone who heard our last episode, um, the in case you didn't realize that our voices were a little off as it progressed, so it sounds like I'm interrupting Chris on everything he says, and it sounds like I was telling him he was right and wrong on the answers before he even answered them. So yeah, so we apologize for the technical <clears throat> issue on that one, but it is actually entertaining to listen to. It is. I mean, I'm a jerk. I I, I can interrupt, but I was. It sounded like I was. Just, I was just talking over Chris the entire episode, and that was not the case. So whatever. Okay, your next question. Well, similar to that, three Marvel miniseries, not including Secret Wars or Secret Wars 2, not including Secret Wars before 1990. Wolverine, Wolverine, Kitty Pride, and 
uh, uh, contest of champions. Oh wow, contest of champions! That was an <laughs> early one. That was the first miniseries ever that they put out, I think, right before Wolverine. And I think I have to go back and reread it, but I distinctly remember when I read it the first time that whoever won the contest, they announced the other team as the winner by accident. But I'll have to go back and reread it. <laughs> I don't, who, who worked on that one? I don't remember. Um, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, I don't remember. But, I mean, that Wolverine miniseries is amazing. The Kitty Pride and Wolverine miniseries is not. Who drew it? Tell us. Tell us, Chris. Milgram. What? My yeah. favorite. Yes. You have two of the most popular X-Men characters at the time. <laughs> hmm. Well, we had Frank Miller on the Wolverine miniseries, so we, we got to get Al Milgram on this one. That's too yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So we'll leave it at that. So. <laughs> you leave it just as an insulting El Milgram. <laughs> <laughs> so I figured you could get that, but it, but it, uh, that was the, to me, that was the very early days of miniseries where now almost even ongoing series are treated like miniseries. Uh, you know. Yeah. I think that's a safe way of putting out comics now. You know, right. instead of ongoings, so yeah. Or you call them volumes or, or episodes or however you want to refer to it. But uh, but this was during the day when that, that just was unheard of. You just didn't see that many of them. And uh, most of them were, you know, some, so there was some pretty special stuff that was put out that way. Well, heck, DC was putting out the, what became like the Elseworlds type stuff. That's right. Um, which... Were fantastic in most cases. Um, remember that? Uh, I think it was written by Jim Sterling, drawn by Bernie Wrights in the Batman the prestige format. Yeah, I mean that wasn't an Elseworlds; it was just I think regular continuity. But that you know, that was really good. Stuff. good. Yeah, <clears throat> and yeah. then they created that the, the um, was that the Legends of the Dark Knight that was basically nothing but a series of mini series. Do you remember? Yeah, that? that's coming out again. Is it really? Yes. So yeah, that's what that was the first time I read anything by Grant Morrison because he wrote uh, Gothic in Legends of the oh. Night with Klaus. So that was the first. That was before uh, Animal Man. Yeah. Huh. Yeah, Interesting. I need to go back and read it. At the time, I remember being kind of ho hum about it, but it, now that I go back and you know, if I go back and read it, it, might be much better than what I thought. I like Klaus Jensen. Yeah. All right, everybody. So there's our there's our show. That's episode sixteen in the can with your blood wind. We'll <laughs> be in the can. All right. Unfortunately, I don't have any uh, viewer mail, viewer mail, listener mail <laughs> to share with you this week. But uh, so we'll close it out. We'll be back. We'll, we're going to try to get back on schedule here. Maybe get back here in two weeks for another episode. Until then, uh, I'm Chris Kirby. This is David Simonton. See you, David. See you, Chris.
but you can't name a superhero painful rectal itch. <laughs> <laughs>